Next, this month's special series focus on neurology and psychiatry. Throughout this month, ReachMD welcomes an array of experts to explore developments in neuroscience and mental health. Psychoanalysis and dynamic psychotherapy have been waning in popularity, as many claim these methods are time-consuming, expensive, and ineffective. But what if new research data could prove the success rates of these psychotherapies? Would patients, insurance companies, and physicians give these long-term therapies another chance? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and with me today to discuss the comeback of psychoanalysis and dynamic psychotherapy are Dr. Stuart Ablon, who is the director of the Psychotherapy Research Program, and Dr. Raymond Levy, clinical director of the Psychotherapy Research Program at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. Dr. Ablon and Levy edited the Handbook of Evidence-Based Psychodynamic Psychotherapy. Welcome, doctors. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you for being with us. Dr. Levy, maybe we could start by defining some of the terms and talk about what exactly is psychoanalysis and how it differs from psychodynamic psychotherapy. Well, you're starting with an intricate question. That's a matter of some dispute, although both treatments emphasize the unconscious, emphasize the tendency of people to repeat in the present the psychological issues from the past, and both attempt to have as their goals often a personality change, what sometimes is referred to as structural change. But the difference perhaps sometimes just comes down to the frequency of visits, with psychoanalysis being three and four times a week, which is more than psychodynamic psychotherapy. But some would say that the treatments are more similar than different. This is Dr. Ablon. If I could just add, you know, I think that in terms of the difference between psychoanalysis proper and psychodynamic psychotherapy, these days, much less psychoanalysis proper is practiced, you know, four to five times a week, often using the couch. But psychoanalytic concepts have heavily influenced many different forms of psychotherapy. And so chances are, if somebody's receiving a talking therapy in the community, that in some way, shape, or form, it's probably been influenced at least, if not heavily influenced, by psychoanalytic thinking. And it could probably be argued that psychodynamic psychotherapy is still the number one form of talking therapy that is offered. So the actual mechanism is that of a patient sitting and talking about feelings, concerns, issues with the physician. Correct, and not always a physician. These days, roles have gotten somewhat divided where lots of physicians are prescribing psychotropic medications more of the time, and many other providers, psychologists, social workers, etc., are providing the psychotherapy, although physicians certainly do as well these days. And with the rise of the popularity of effective medications, Dr. Levy, what have been some of the criticisms of these type of psychotherapeutic approaches? Well, the major criticism, frankly, has been that the evidence base that is, empirical studies that demonstrate positive outcome for the talking therapies, psychodynamic psychotherapy and psychoanalysis especially, hasn't been laid, that these treatments have been slow to accept the need for research-based, evidence-based data to support their efficacy. But that is changing, as you know, our book attests, and there is a lot more research. Other psychoanalytic institutes are, in fact, beginning to have research courses and Dr. Ablon can speak to the changes with the American Psychoanalytic Association. I would also add that one of the major criticisms 
also has to do with some of the pragmatics, and that is that psychodynamic psychotherapy is typically fairly intensive, and so that even if someone is only meeting once or twice a week, and I say only simply because psychoanalysis proper, again, involves a much more frequency in terms of visits, but even if somebody's just coming once or twice a week for some time, that is for some months or even longer than a year, it's quite a costly and time-intensive endeavor. And so when people are comparing the treatment to psychopharmacologic approaches, that is medications, the time and money spent tend to be things that people point to as major limitations of a psychotherapy. Now, I think one of the things we'll end up talking about, however, is that there are some problems that require intensive therapeutic approaches, and while medicine might have short-term effects, the chances are those problems are likely to live on and require more intensive treatment down the road, which means that one could make an argument for the need for something more intensive in the beginning. But again, as Dr. Levy pointed out, that's something that people would like data to be able to guide them on. So sometimes the medication could be just a band-aid as opposed to really getting to the root of the problem and addressing the cause. Well, certainly medications treat symptoms, and treating symptoms effectively can be incredibly important, especially with some debilitating symptoms to be able to help someone return to be able to function in the world. It's incredibly helpful. But as you say, if there are underlying issues that are contributing to the symptoms that aren't understood, chances are that those symptoms are likely to recur. And honestly, people aren't wild about staying on medications in perpetuity, Mm -hmm. which means that if they're effectively treating the symptoms but not the underlying cause, then chances are those symptoms will return if the medication is discontinued. Yeah, if I could just add, uh, this is Dr. Levy, what we mean by underlying cause is that individuals tend to respond to the psychological challenges and conflicts in life in particular ways. Sometimes their patterns actually contribute to becoming depressed or anxious and the symptoms that accompany those disorders. And in therapy, That can be pointed out, and sometimes patients will be able to change and keep themselves from becoming depressed or anxious in the future. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and with me to discuss psychoanalysis and dynamic psychotherapy making a comeback are Dr. Stuart Ablon and Dr. Raymond Levy from the Psychotherapy Research Program at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. Dr. Blonde, let me pose this to you. Is some of the difficulty with getting some of the research for these therapies that the treatments are not as easy to standardize? Yes, you're hitting on a very important point, and that is that the gold standard that has been used to validate the effectiveness of approaches has been to have a a treatment manual that delineates exactly what occurs in the treatment Mm -hmm. and to make sure by monitoring the treatment over time that it adheres to those principles and then compare it to other approaches that have also well-delineated techniques and making, again, sure that they adhere to those techniques so that if patients improve as a result of the treatment, you can say that it definitely was because of the specific techniques that were used in the particular approach. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the tough things, as you can well imagine, is standardizing a talking therapy that involves two human beings interacting with one another. As we always like to say, even if the clinician has read the manual, chances are (laughs) the patient hasn't. And the patient really is a co-creator of the therapeutic process. And so what happens amongst that dyad is going to look different, like what would happen in any other dyad. And while certainly people can standardize some of the core elements 
that one would see in what we might call a psychodynamic psychotherapy. Being able to rigidly control the interaction is really a pipe dream, honestly. And it's not that progress hasn't been made in that way, because there are researchers now that have developed treatment manuals and ways of checking adherence so that psychodynamic psychotherapies can be submitted to those same tests of effectiveness that other approaches have. I think we all realize that there are some grave limitations in studying therapies using those types of methods. That's very interesting. That makes sense. It's not as easy as 10 or 20 milligrams of pill X. Dr. Levy, tell us a little bit about the research you're doing. Are we using HAMD and those various scales? Are we using brain imaging? What is your research about and what is it showing? We are using standard outcome measures like the HAMD and anxiety sensitivity index and other well-known measures. And in fact, we have a study now, short-term study for a psychodynamic treatment of depression with pre and post neuroimaging to determine if there are changes in the brain from the treatment and hopefully locate those changes in the brain, which is our hope. We'll see what the findings are, but it's our hope that those changes will be located in different areas of the brain than psychopharmacologic treatments and other psychotherapy treatments like cognitive behavioral therapy. But our signature research in our group is less on outcome because there are outcome studies of psychotherapy and they all seem to show that psychotherapy has roughly equivalent positive effects. We're particularly interested in exactly what the components are of successful treatment. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to answer the question, how is psychotherapy effective? And we've done that to some degree with a study of panic disorder in which We've been able to show that the successful treatments among the 16 have some specific process variables, including sexual matters are discussed at the therapist. The termination of a brief treatment is discussed as well. So those were three components of successful treatments that we have found. Very interesting. So you're trying to identify exactly what parts of that relationship seem to have the best therapeutic success or efficacy. That's a good way to say it. Yes, that's exactly right. You know, I think that that's a very important point when we think about where the future of the field is heading. And it really doesn't serve anyone well, patients or providers, to stay at the level of these horse races between one approach and another. Most approaches have something to offer. And the real question is exactly what unique processes do they offer that help patients? And so our research really is oriented around staying away from this sort of brand name debate of which type of therapy is most effective but really understanding what types of processes, interactions, techniques tend to work best for which patients struggling with which issues. And it doesn't matter so much what you call the type of approach. Let's just be specific about what's helpful. And along those lines, Dr. Blond, are there particular types of disorders that seem to do better with an element of psychotherapy versus others that may do just as well with chemical therapy? Well, you know, it's interesting that data are emerging, new data, just about every month at this point. I think the safest generalization to make, first of all, is that the combination of medicine and therapy is almost always more effective than either in isolation. The question of whether psychotherapy, how it stacks up alone against medicine, really there's still great debate about that in lots of different areas, including, you know, mood disorders and anxiety disorders remain sort of two of the biggest you know, reasons for a referral. And I'm not sure that there's a clear answer at this point. It really depends on who you talk to, with some people feeling like, actually, once you account for the placebo effect, 
in medication trials that medication really might not be all that much more effective mm -hmm. than psychotherapy, particularly when it comes to the long-term effects. And some psychotherapies have shown to be more effective than medicine, particularly when it comes to specific difficulties with anxiety. But I would say that, again, the data continue to emerge, but it would serve us well not to say you need this treatment package for this disorder, but to be more focused on what are the types of ingredients within treatment packages that appear to be helpful for specific types of patients. And Dr. Levy, as you look forward, do you see therapy continuing to be an element of treatment for patients? And what about the therapists in terms of making a living with this difficult long-term therapy? What are your thoughts about the future? I personally feel that there will be a shift back to longer-term treatments because I think people see the limitations of pharmacologic treatments, how they help and how they are lacking. And there has been some data lately that short-term psychotherapy can be effective, but with follow-up studies, long-term therapy is shown to have lasting effects and over time, therefore, to be more effective. And I think there'll be more and more data like that. It is difficult as a therapist sometimes to do as much of the kind of work that you believe in and is enjoyable. But as I said, I think the research is moving in that direction and I'm encouraged. And I would agree. I think there will always be a place for talk therapy. And, you know, one of the things, the interesting things I've always noticed is that when we often get referrals from colleagues who are psychopharmacologists, cognitive behavioral therapists, et cetera, and oftentimes these are folks who have well-proven approaches that they really believe in. And when a family member of theirs is struggling, however, they are often looking for a good psychodynamic psychotherapy with a therapist that is going to really spend a lot of time and effort to understand what are all the myriad factors about this person's life and experience that are leading to the symptoms, and is there a role for a talk therapy to be helpful? Fortunately, there are few side effects to talk therapy, and oftentimes, as the research has shown, it's quite helpful. Well, I very much want to thank Drs. Stuart Ablon and Raymond Levy from the Psychotherapy Research Program at Massachusetts General Hospital for discussing with us the emerging body of data supporting the efficacy of psychoanalysis and psychodynamic psychotherapy. They have pointed out that we are getting more and more information showing that these approaches are important and efficacious and oftentimes just as efficacious or more efficacious than drug therapy. And it looks like these type of therapies will continue to be helpful for our patients as we go into the future. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please also visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Neurology and Psychiatry. For downloadable podcasts of all the programs in this series, go to ReachMD.com and choose the series, Focus on Neurology and Psychiatry.